Sometimes I wonder people who name these are just like people who sit at their desk and are like just like like if you just super tired after a long day of work and just go, this would be funny and just decide to name it that one day. I mean, most of those birds were named like hundreds of years ago, too. This yeah, is true. Yeah. Or someone just mistakenly said it and like that's what that's called. Like those those kinds of jokes, like the pull my finger, they, did, they didn't come from young people. All right. Uh, so, anyways, uh, this is episode <laughs> fifty-seven of the Halcyon Frequency podcast. Uh, I'm blind, and I needed to start it eventually. I'm hosting this episode, <laughs> and I'm joined by uh, FG Squared. Hello. How are you? Once again, and uh, today we have a guest who is Ali, not Ali. Hi. How are you? Hello. Doing good. Doing good. I'm scared, but excited to be here. It's the Canadian takeover. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah, we we've won finally. We've had like Australian episodes where like the Aussies get to talk about spiders, and now True. we've got a Canadian episode where we can talk about how it rains a lot. Well, talk about how it rains, and then maple syrup and mooses or mises, whatever they're called. Yes, and then you have to apologize at the end for taking us. Uh, no, but it can't be like a full like sorry. It has to be like the Canadian version. So, oh, sorry, sorry, oh, sorry about, that. about that, bud. Oh, sorry about that, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then we can talk about how, like, you know, beavers chewed through the power lines for small towns. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> cut off the internet for, like, a week on end uh, during the pandemic, because that yeah. actually happened. Mm-hmm. That actually did happen, yeah. <laughs> or, the, oh, God, or the guy that's... that was blowing up the beaver dam with dynamite to make his property bigger so he could land an <laughs> ultralight plane in his backyard. <laughs> Which is super illegal. <laughs> Hashtag Canadian <Yeah>. problems. <laughs> I was just gonna say I was like, there's there's jokes about like you know Americans with guns, but then there's Canadians with dynamite. Like, <laughs> yeah, <someone's laughs> dynamite. yeah, how'd you get that? Uh, we don't talk you, about it. You go to the hardware store, do you buy it? Yeah, it's it's kind definitely. of wish I was joking. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wait, <laughs> you can buy dynamite, dynamite at the hardware store. I think you need, like, a license for it still, but yes. You need a permit, but, yeah, you can yeah. just go buy dynamite. Okay. Mm. Okay. <laughs> okay. I guess that uh, Canada is moving further down on the need-to-visit-again list. <laughs> it's it's fine as long as you don't go anywhere in the middle of nowhere. I mean, for whatever... Do, 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 hmm. I'm, now I'm wondering if I should, like, specifically name, like, Twitch chat user, but do you know who Halfdanskin is? Yes. Uh, like one of Bellinger's regulars, mm. like his neighbor owns a uh, howitzer and just fires it off randomly for no reason. So I don't know. I think Sweden fires? would be like higher up there on that list. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I mean, there's always been like, it's like those, those things that they use at wineries to scare off the birds. I genuinely thought when I was younger that people were just setting off dynamite in the wineries. And I was like, why are they blowing up the berries? Like they need those. <laughs> I used to mm. I used to go blueberry picking all the time when I was younger and this was like a friend of the family who just had like a blueberry farm locally and uh this was be- like before they had the automated like pop cannons uh to like scare birds away so they would literally like pay one of the kids from the church that we went to at the time to just like sit at the back of the field with a shotgun and with blanks and then just fire it off every so often that is not where i thought that was going i thought you were gonna say like run through the field screaming not give a child a gun (laughs) okay not a child but like a teenage like someone like 15 16 or something it was just like you just like yeah pay them ten dollars an hour to just sit at the back of the field in the sun with a little umbrella with a with a air rifle and just fire it off whenever birds started landing. 
Welcome to Canada. <laughs> Sounds like a chill job. I mean, you know. I, you know, for a summer gig, you could do worse. Yeah, that's definitely. true. Beats like working like a conveyor belt in a factory. Or like a convenience oh, store. Mm, yeah. Or any kind of food service for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Or or working uh, an old record store in during Christmas time because that's not fun. To <laughs> say that's oddly specific. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to talk about it? <laughs> it's a little bit of trauma I have, you know? It's no big deal. <laughs> no, oh gosh, it was just one of those things where it was like, I worked in a music store, oh, now we're ADD, here we go. I worked in a music store when I was a teenager, and it's like during Christmas time, you'd always have the people that, you know, just came in specifically to complain about something during the holiday season because they could. Well, I had one lady come in and complain that we were not playing Hanukkah music during Christmas time. And, like, she threw a fit, like, an absolute fit. And then not even a week later, we had somebody get stabbed. So, like, you know, it's it's a great time in a music store during the holiday season. Merry Christmas, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I once had somebody complain that we weren't playing any music around Christmas when I worked in fast food. And my response to him was, if you want music, buy headphones. That, yeah. Um, well. <laughs> Very logical response. He, he looked at me like I was a crazy person, and he's just like, "But you're supposed to be playing holiday music." And I'm like, "I've been listening to that for the last six hours, and it's like three o'clock in the morning. I would rather die." Yeah, yeah. It's self torture at that point. Just I turning mean, it off. I like. I I swear, most people at that point are just sick of it, anyways. Like I would be. Mm -hmm. Like, can you? Oh God, just hearing the same. Because it's not even just like a big selection, right? It's not like hundreds of songs. It's like... It's like eight songs. Yeah. You can listen here. Listen to this Christmas CD over and over and over again. Yep. I'm the horrible person where like, yeah, I had to work in a music store. And like, I've worked in service industry for majority of my life. So around Christmas time, that music always plays. And it starts in like November. But I'm also the person that starts listening to Christmas music and, like, as soon as Halloween's over, I play Mariah Carey and piss everyone off just because <laughs> I like it. Like, I just, I like Christmas music. I'm a holiday person. So, like... Damn it, we should have brought Kiri on Yeah, I was going to say, where's, where's Kiri? Come on, like, Christmas takeover. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Just wait for the ne next Christmas when it comes close to it, and then I'll, I'll pop on the podcast again just to bug you guys. No, but, like, you, you don't understand. With Kiri, Christmas is always coming. It's almost <sighs> always here. <laughs> mm -hmm. like her entire channel is like snow. I need to. Around. I need to hang out with Kiri then. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm that, but with Halloween. Mm. It's always almost Halloween. Halloween's coming back. Hall this is true. Halloween at least is fun. <laughs> you know, like like it's a fun <laughs> holiday because you get to dress up and there's candy I'm sorry, and Kiri. Scary and then stab people. a few pumpkins. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, like... I just I just like to say that like, you know, because people for Christmas like reserve the right to start decorating for Christmas in the middle of October, I reserve the right to start decorating for Halloween like end of August. Yes, of course. I mean, but I'm the same people way. think I'm crazy. <laughs> no, I literally like last year I started figuring out how to put up a little skeleton like paper folding dude hanging on my on my uh, closet. And I put it up literally mid-August and people were just like, um, Allie, you should not have that in your stream background. I was like, I don't care. I want it there. Thank you very much. <laughs> we ended up getting, uh, I have like a skull that has glowing eyes and I set up both of them and we ended up naming them Belmont and Alucard. Just because we could. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, when it comes to just setting up to, for holidays early, it's like I, I just kind of, I generally skip Christmas almost entirely, like, personally. Like, I, I go mm -hmm. to family things when Christmas stuff happens, but 
like for me the holiday that matters is Thanksgiving because it's just like hey it's Christmas sans consumerism which is like Christmas but a hundred times more tolerable so I prefer Thanksgiving if I'm forced to like pick a holiday that I like but then I skip straight to New Year's do I have to pick one <laughs> um does sub September count as a holiday (laughs) (laughs) don't remind me don't remind me we were talking about that sort of stuff again today and then i just was faced again with the reality that i will not be streaming for most of september this year this is true yeah you will be taking a lot of time off in september this year yeah yeah which basically is my reason why part partly at least why i'm not going to twitchcon america this year because i already do, am taking we want to do that bit now since it just sure. came out yeah you can move that up yep uh so so twitchcon got dates announced for uh oh well, i don't need to move it in the dock it's fine uh twitchcon got its dates announced for uh paris and uh twitchcon na so fg you're going to paris and i i just bought tickets to vegas so w- what are you doing in paris i'm i'm just i'm just there for the con like i've i've been to paris i've seen some bits of paris so i don't need to like re-see things so i'm i'm literally dropping in on the friday partner party on the friday two days of con and then i'm leaving again on monday <laughs> and it's luckily the flights are like super cheap but the hotel is it's bonkers because it's the middle of july in paris which is like holiday hay season it's it's insane i i wish they would go back to april for twitchcon use because it's just horrible. It's just terrible timing. I was heavily considering it, and then I looked up the average number of buildings in Paris that have air conditioning and the average temperature in July in Paris. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like, yeah, you're not going to get a hotel with air conditioning, basically, unless like you are a millionaire. And also, um, it's not cold. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't know if that's worth 24 hours worth of flying. Yeah, my, mine does have air conditioning. It's probably going to be like European, so it's not going to like air conditioning, so it's not going to make it like really nice, cool in the room. Yeah, but it, it hopefully is sufficient if it's if it decides to be really, 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 really hot. And if it but decides like, to be like a 44, 40 plus degree weekend. And I mean, you'll know that beforehand and then I might, like, if something like that actually were to happen, I would probably just skip and not go, to be quite honest. Yeah. Because, like, there are temperatures where I just do not want to be moving (laughs) and traveling. The last thing I want to do is get hospitalized internationally because I got heat stroke. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. That just sounds like torture. That happened to be at Disneyland once, and it wasn't even that hot. Yeah. I mean, heat stroke is really not even heat stroke. It's just sunstroke. So wear a hat if you're outside for long periods of time. Or and lots solution. of sunscreen. That Don't too, go yeah. outside. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but yeah, just wear a hat inside. if you're outside for a very long time in the sun. Like if lots it's... of water too. Yeah. So who, who else from the team is going to Paris? Because I'll be honest, I haven't scrolled up the Kiri that we have quietly. Is it just you and Kiri? Because I know bell skipping. Bell skipping. Sui's not going, you're not going, Jess isn't going, Drongo isn't going, Arch isn't going, so it's just me and Kiri. All right. Well, I mean, there will be some people for people to hang out with, for people who go to Paris or people who live in Paris. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, The other place that TwitchCon got announced for in 20th to 22nd of October is Las Vegas, um, which uh, after about 
20 seconds after that got announced, I was like looking at flights and going, you know what? Fuck it. Okay, it's cheap enough. So I'm going to Las Vegas. And my 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 um, personal opinion is if the convention sucks, I'm just going to leave and go to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, totally. Because after like a, a little bit of coordination, it's like, yep, my one of my mods can go. And he was just like, hold on, let me ask my bosses, which is his parents. Um, and uh, he's like, yep, nope, can do that. Um, he might even go to the When We Were Young festival out there, although he's going to be buying resale tickets, so it's like $350 to get onto the waiting list. Mm. Um, and uh, I think there's a, I think Sui got an Airbnb, so yep. Like, yep. we'll figure something out. Should be, should be a fun little weekend, nice. which is actually like, it's going to be the same number of days as the last time I went down, which means if I schedule it correctly, I barely will even miss a stream. That's good, yeah. Yeah, for me... Good going to TwitchCon, like Las Vegas, would be, I would have to fly out on the Wednesday because I mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to make it in time on Thursday for the partner party, like at all. And then I would leave Monday, which because how travel magic works would mean I arrive back home on Tuesday and that's an entire week of no streaming and nothing. And I'll be gone the month prior for like, three plus weeks and I might do Gamescom which is also another week-ish because I would probably go see family if I'm in Germany I can't do that three months in a row <laughs> yeah I, like I mean conventions wise it's like I'm gonna be doing PAX West I'm mm. gonna be doing TwitchCon and somewhere in the middle there I might be flying to Japan I don't know I still haven't decided that mm, yeah so that's gonna be what like three pretty major flights in a week or in like a, a month and a bit. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. That's a lot. Yeah. Although actually, Se- Seattle probably won't be a flight. Let's just get on a train. True, true. But it's major travel, right? It's major travel. But since since we've been talking about TwitchCon, I think I need to preface this for anybody who is either a never been before or isn't going. Um, TwitchCon, in my experience, is for a lot of people a massive goddamn waste of time. Um, TwitchCon is one of the weirdest conventions I've ever been to. And I've been to a lot of conventions. It's weird in that it's no longer really a... Like, the first few years that I went, it was a community meetup where um, you just... Everybody had community badges because there was no affiliates. It was just partners and then everybody else. And everybody else, there was a lot of people who streamed, but most people didn't. And it was very much just like, here's a big old party. Let's just talk with everybody, meet Twitch staff, regardless of if you're partnered or not. And it was a very interesting convention full of opportunities, but it's ballooned to like 15 times the size since then. And now it's just everybody's there because they're treating it like a work convention and unless you either a already have a lot of connections or b know a lot of people that are going to be there already it's really difficult to make it into a productive convention productive event i guess um i i feel like it's i i'm really kind of curious to see how this year goes especially in vegas because uh, this is going to be kind of my make or break year maybe as to whether or not i ever want to go to one of these again <laughs> I, I'm mostly just going just to see people again that I haven't seen in four years. Cause exactly. I didn't go last year. Uh, yeah. And the year before, obviously. Yeah, yeah. The last time I've been to a TwitchCon, I think, was like 2018. So it's like, I haven't even gone to those in so long. And I, part of me feels like I should just for the connection reasons of it all. Because you do meet people and make connections, but it's also mm. you can just do that outside of it. You don't need to pay the tickets for it. So Yeah, 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 true. Yeah, that that in TwitchCon is a very easy. Like PAX, not so much. PAX, it's like if you go to PAX, you have to buy the tickets and like go into mm-hmm. the convention because there's actually stuff to do. Especially PAX West and PAX East, but like because I can't speak for PAX Australia, but 
when you go to TwitchCon, you're like, yeah, like the I think I think it was TwitchCon San Diego last year. They were like, yeah, we sold. It was like 120,000 tickets or something. And then there was like also another 100,000 people in the city, apparently. Hmm. Wow. Crazy. That were just there, <laughs> which is kind of crazy, um, which also explains why the hotel prices were so high. Yeah, 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 true, true. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not so bad if you're willing to walk a bit and get a Airbnb and just snooze, but yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully it goes well. Hopefully it's uh, better organized than previous events, but considering the fact that they're hiring people right now to run the thing, I don't know. I mean, I mean, for Vegas, that's still somewhat okay, but the fact that they're hiring people for Paris is spoopy because that's like less than half a year and I, I don't know how much of like convention they have now like how much is already done is this just for extra bids is this just to avoid you know somebody breaking breaking their back again or like yeah what, it's like bullet point the at the top no foam pit <laughs> yeah 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 so it's a little but, delayed but I mean to be fair it wasn't actually twitch right like it wasn't Twitch yeah, that, that was ran Lenovo. that booth. So, Lenovo Intel. Yeah. But so. yeah. So no, it's definitely uh Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I I I like I don't feel because I, I didn't go obviously I didn't go in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one because nothing happened. I didn't go in twenty twenty two because I was like, eh COVID is still spoopy and I don't wanna have it. And um I am sad that I didn't get to see the people, but I feel like actually, like professionally, I didn't actually miss anything. Yeah, same. Like mm-hmm. it's it. The the reason I'm starting to go to conventions again is because I can afford it, not because I feel like I need to go to conventions. Yeah, also to see people that I haven't seen, like because yeah. there's people gonna be at the convention that I haven't seen. Face to face. I want to go shake hands with all those PR people that gave me keys over the years again. You know? Yeah, and say hello I'm to go see friends. if I can track down Bo from Gorilla and just be like, "Hey, yeah, <laughs> thanks for the Planet Coaster water bottle back in the day." Mm-hmm. Yeah, things like that. Exactly, exactly. Uh, maybe actually meet like I don't, I don't even know. I need to talk to them. I don't even know if they will be there, but, but like meet my agent, right, and that sort of stuff. Like, it's like you know? wave at people that you know through Twitter that yeah, you never get yeah. to actually speak to, and just be like, "I'm real." Yeah, <laughs> I Hi. swear, I exist. I have a face. <laughs> have a patch. I'm not three otters in a trench coat, so. (laughs) Unconfirmed, allegedly. Um, (laughs) We've been recording for almost 30 minutes. I think it's time for us to go to a real quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the games that we've been playing recently-ish. And we're back with episode 57 of the Halcyon Frequency Podcast, and we're going to be talking about the games that we've been playing this week. FG, uh, you've played a new era of Pharaoh. I have, yeah. So uh, Pharaoh, new era, came out on Wednesday of this week, and it is sort of a remake slash master slash recompile of the old Pharaoh plus the expansion, uh, the Cleopatra expansion. So there is quite a lot of content in the game. There's like 57 missions to do in the game. Um, so yeah, I've been playing that a lot, actually. I've, I've did it on Thursday. I, I Actually, I played a little bit on Wednesday, then on Thursday and today. So I've played quite a bit. Um, 
I guess I have to say I did get sponsored to play it over on Steam, so I, I I'll mention that here as well. Um, wasn't a, a Twitch stream sponsorship, but I did get sponsored to play it on the Steam store page. So just for full disclosure, um, that 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 I did get some money for playing this game. Um, but I played more of it after. Um, I enjoy it. It's fun. It is. It is, in certain ways, much better than the old version. It is in certain ways not better than the old version. Um, it is. It is. It is still fun though. And it's all, it is also still a bit dated. So if you don't know what Pharaoh is, Pharaoh is originally a game from 1999. It's one of those so-called impression city builders, which is a kind of style of city builder that has fallen a little bit out of, well, a little bit, a lot out of favor. A lot out of fashion. There's yeah, like one, out one of or fashion. two that have come out in the past decade or so that are new. Yeah, there, there's some there's some indie indie people that have taken up the, the mantle of impression style city builder. Um... If you don't know what that means, it's they're called Impression Star because they were made, they were made by a company called Impression Games or Impressions Games. So that's why they're called like that because they have the specific mechanic of the service buildings uh, sending out workers along a path and supplying the buildings along the path with resources and then returning back to the origin, packing new resources up again and going again. So there is some. Um, pathing shenanigans that you have to manage to optimally run your city so it's a, it's a very peculiar style of a city builder and uh, pharaoh is not the uh, not the first not the last that was made it's um kind of smacked up in the middle in a way and much beloved by a lot of people and uh, yeah they they made this remaster and it i like the graphics some people say they're too ca too cartoony from them i like I think it they look beautiful um the game it, looks like a screenshot in motion yeah I, I like it it's uh it's widescreen it has widescreen support it has like ultra hd support like 1440p 4k blah 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 and all of that sort of stuff um because they redid all the textures they used the old voice lines so there's new music um so there's that um they they redid the ui um in certain bits it's a lot better in other bits it's not it's worse there's no there's no mini map you can't rotate the screen which is really sucks for building near like the edge of the map um so that's really odd um certain things they explain really really well certain things they don't explain at all um it's like they forgot to explain it <laughs> or, or maybe they assume that people know how to do it it's a bit odd like if you've played before it feels like it kind of assumes that you've played this before a bit um but it is manageable to wrangle your way through certain things you kind of have to google maybe a little bit to like get to your solution a little bit faster but generally speaking i'm actually enjoying it um it's it's it it runs well it runs really really well to, to be fair if, if it didn't run well on my machine <laughs> there would be something severely wrong but like i haven't heard anybody complain about like frame rate or anything like that um there are some bugs it's not perfect there are definitely some bugs um really wish we had the minimap and um the biggest like div the the most the, the thing that's the most divisive is the new combat system that they put in which is basically just an auto resolve which people either love or hate like there's no in between <laughs> and the 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 reason as to why they put in a new combat system is because the old combat system which was an rts style combat system was really buggy 
and um, your attacking units would get stuck on your map, which would kill your import and export, which was which would basically kill your city. So intent and like essentially it would just soft lock your entire progress, and you'd have to start the map over because just of buggy pathfinding, and that obviously really sucks. And they wanted to do something about that. Makes sense, right? So basically, now you just make units. They attack with units, but it's just an order resolve, which feels a little bit unsatisfying. But now, is is this auto resolve or is this like total war auto resolve? Where it's like, oh, eighty percent chance to win, sweet loss. What? No, no, it's auto resolve. Like if you okay. if you have like if you have like. It, it's pretty clear that you'll win basically like yeah it's it's i none of the 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 match the the, the battles that i've lost i went like whoa why the heck did i lose this i i had so many units blah 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 so like it's it's okay well that's good it's serviceable it's not great but it's serviceable and it's better than losing progress be because you got soft lock like 10 hours into a map because some of the harder yep. maps later on take a long time of course to play through so I enjoy it and it's also not like expensive. Like it's um it's currently 15% off for launch, right? Um so this is the yeah, it's 15 $30 CAD. Yeah, it's it's uh 17, yeah, it's 16.99 pounds. So 17 pounds. 25.41 in Canadian dollars. Yeah, which it, you know, that's I think that's a decent price. It is a remaster. They there is new stuff in it. It's got I mean, the content like, from Pharaoh and Cle Cleopatra, right? What was it? The last episode that you and me were on, and we were looking at the uh, remasters of the uh, yes, Etrian Odyssey, the Odyssey yeah. games. Yeah, or it's just like, yo, those are fifty bucks. That's a that's a three DS game. <laughs> yeah, and this is so, yeah, this is yeah, it's fair. I think that's totally that's appropriate fair. price because you can easily, even if you go by Canadian price, if you just play it through the campaign, the campaign has fifty seven maps right that's a lot that, that like that that'll that'll last you and there's sandbox mode and um there will be um like custom scenarios and custom map support and that sort of stuff it's not it's not in yet because it's not perfect yet i mean if you want to talk about the amount of content in these games fg you know gamer yeah. zach right yeah i mean he's streamed nothing but impression city builders for like two years yeah and didn't finish them all Exactly. Like there, there's so, so like, much. There, there's a lot to do with these games. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot. Like there's a there's yeah. The campaigns take 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 forever. Like if you do the map, like it takes a while. So like you get your money's worth if you like these types of city builders. Um. Yeah. I was very like reserved about this remake mm. not because like I, th I always thought it looked pretty from like the previous stuff that they put up but the thing that w made me worried is uh the people who, who are making it not the publisher which is emu which has a really good track record but the people that are making it, that made this game um is uh triskill or tris triskill but um they, they made let this path of progress which was not good mm. uh, which is also an impression yeah, style city is. builder it's like a steampunk city builder yeah and it's like they made that, and then they made made like this weird RPG thing in that world. And they're like, "We're making an MMO in this universe," and everyone's like, "What?" <laughs> and then, like, I don't know, three years later, they're like, "Actually, we're not making an MMO in this universe." <laughs> so I wonder how that went. Um, 
But I, I guess I, I assume they just learned. They learned more stuff from, from making their own and like they got to... I mean, I guess this is probably actually great for them because they were like, oh, we made one of these and now we get to dig into the code of the OG one and check it out. Yeah, and totally. So maybe we'll maybe just get a, a second Lethus Pact. Yeah, something like that. We'll see. Or maybe they'll make them go make Poseidon or something. Yeah, yeah. Or we could get Caesar or one of the other ones. Yeah, or Zeus or whatever, or Emperor. Like, so many people are like, oh, I want, I wish they would do, you know, X, Y, Z of these and that sort of stuff. Oh, gosh, so. yeah. So I just had to, like, add on on the end of that. And listen to you guys talk about those kinds of games. I don't really play them that often, but you're making me want to jump into them. But I'm also, like, a hyperfixation type person. So, like, I feel like I'm never going to escape if I enter into that world. Do it. <laughs> there sure. is a limited <laughs> number of missions, to be fair. Yes, oh, and and so there there the um, Pharaoh is like one of those games. Um, you're not gonna become like a Twitch superstar with it, but there is mm. definitely an audience for these games. Yep, they will tune in and they will be like, "Can we backseat? Can we backseat? Can we backseat? Yeah. Can we backseat? <laughs> can, can we backseat? Can we backseat?" Yeah, yeah, that's true. At that point, I'd be like, "Yes, please." I have no idea what I'm doing. And then they'll be like, "Okay, this goes here. This goes here." And then you need to build this exact pattern. Okay, and then this needs to go mm -hmm. right next to this building. Do not make that more than one tile away from this building, or that won't work. And then this needs to hook up to this, and then put that road right there. Perfect. See, this, like, yeah. this is why, like, with this kind of stuff, I go, like, completely silent and I feel a bit bad because I'm like, I'm not talking much, but also because I'm just very focused on what you're saying and being like, hmm, is this a game that I could get into? <laughs> is this something? Because the closest thing that I ever got to that was, like, Roller Coaster Tycoon. And that's, I've like... 3,000 hours <laughs> on that game. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's as far as I got to that, even close to that kind of game. So I'm like, you know, I could, I could. Oh, but, but um, Roller Coaster Tycoon has multiplayer. Does it? Yeah. I actually didn't even know that. Yeah, it's had multiplayer since like 2014. I'm very slow on that stuff. It's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Oxenfree to a total different genre of games. Uh, it's, oh God, they're like with the second one coming out and everything, that's mainly why I'm replaying it right now. It's been out since 2016. They've been doing updates on it, but like there's some new additions to the game it's hard to stream, like she said, because they talk a lot. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's it's like I'm mainly a story story based streamer, so a lot of that stuff I kind of I really enjoy, and just the heavy storylines and all that stuff. And it's they've got some more additions in regards to like decisions and and different paths you can take in in regards of like um the reactions of the characters and everything but um yeah i don't know what else i could really add on to that other than what people already know since it's been out for so long i'm just addicted to it because of the the games that have that like where you make a decision and like you can do another playthrough and it kind of like tricks you thinking like you're playing the game again but you're actually not <laughs> i love that that's like my favorite thing i mean like the game has been out for a very long time so I'm, I'm not too concerned about spoilers on this podcast, so mm -hmm. I, something that we could just say is just, like, is there, is there anything that you're getting out of, like, because I, I don't think you did, like, the full set of every ending the first time you played through it, right? No, I didn't, no. Okay, so now that, like, you're returning to it, is there anything kind of specifically stand out that the game is doing that you think is interesting that you didn't get out of the first playthrough? Um, I guess probably for me it's, like, the, the different character... Uh, arcs because like as an actor it's it's very it's very 
I don't want to say obvious. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for here, but it's something that you like tend to pay attention to a lot more is the character arcs and just how they change in the story and like the, the difference in um, like personality and, you know, like how people kind of, I mean, like, for example, for those who have played Oxen Free, for those who have played Oxen Free, um, Clarissa obviously comes out as like a very, you know, uh, mean character that just doesn't like Alex very much. But then as she grows throughout the series or throughout the game, um, she, you definitely see a more human side of her and that villainous type, like, backstory I guess of like where she's been hurt and everything but there's this uh storyline that I found that I've been playing through where she's just straight up a villain like there's actually a portion of it where she just doesn't care like you could try to be nice to her you can try to help her and she doesn't care at all it's it's insane because it's like there's a there's always a reason for people to do things that they do or you know a for characters to act the way that they do but in this specific storyline she just does it because she wants to and it's the most messed up thing ever but it's really that's probably the most uh, interesting thing to me really but yeah <laughs> to me the most interesting thing is that fact that that game apparently doesn't have a volume slider for the music i hate it <laughs> it's so dumb that's like the main complaint too because it's such a good game and it's well like well written and everything and the art is amazing but the volume thing is the only issue that makes people like want to return it and get their money back. Like I, I was looking at Steam reviews for it the other day, and it's like, yep, no, there's still people. There's why can't you turn the music down? <laughs> Literally, it's not an uncommon complaint about Oxenfree. No, I just hope in their second one that they actually, you know, maybe take note of that and don't mess it up again. Mm-hmm. I mean, that I should mean, be such an easy thing again. to do, really, as well. Like, yeah. The the thing with Oxenfree though is it always. Like, especially looking at it now, I look at it and I go, okay, was that, like, an oversight or was that a design decision? I really hope it was hard. It's hard to tell with Oxenfree. Yeah, I don't know. But, like... It is. Yeah. Just just for accessibility's sake, for people, like, Mm. hard of hearing and whatnot, or, like, Mm. the opposite, you know, like, with sensitive ears, I I hope they they put in proper volume sliders. And that includes uh, music... And then voices, and then sound effects, yeah. and then also freaking cutscenes. Oh my god, I could rant about yes. that so much. That's the worst when you're just like playing a game, playing a game, playing a game, and it's all nice and quiet, and then suddenly just, just like full volume cutscene, and you're like, ah! and you fall into your chair. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. That's like, uh, oh gosh, the beast inside. I think I just recently played that one, and that one, oh, the volume cut, the cutscene volume is just awful. Like you don't even realize that it's a different volume slider until something plays, and you're like, oh, I am now deaf. I am. I can't mm. hear anything. <laughs> yeah. Fair, fair warning about Pharaoh. Actually, Pharaoh starts you off with an unskippable cutscene before you can uh regulate volume so uh make sure to make it quiet (laughs) before you actually like start in after that then you can skip it and you can adjust the volume and it's like fine but for some reason unskippable cutscene no volume controls at the start it's like turn your volume all the way down Mm -hmm. It's just, why? Like, why does that happen? <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm looking at Oxenfree 2's Steam page right now, and it's I'm not going to get used to seeing publisher Netflix. Like, ever. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. That's strange to me. 
it's like it makes me I'm very excited about it just in the fact that I know Netflix when they're part of those kinds of like part of games and stuff and development they focus a lot on the actual like film production I guess is the best way to say it it's like it's like they're trying to be a second Annapurna yeah Mm. (laughs) so I'm like I'm hoping you know maybe because of Netflix volume sliders will actually be in there but well, I mean, let's, all, all the hope. all the Netflix ownership really does. It gets them a lot of money, and they're not doing exclusive launches, which is nice. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's not going to be like a um, Into the Breach mobile kind of situation. Where like, yeah, Into the Breach is on phones now, only if you have a Netflix subscription, and not globally. Um, there's like a handful of countries it's like straight up just not available in. But if you have a Netflix subscription and you have the app installed on your phone and you scroll down to the bottom of the app and you look specifically for it because you can't search for it because their search function is terrible, you can find uh, Into the Breach on Netflix and download it and play it, which I guess this will just be added to that list because, you know, the first Oxenfree was on phones. So, mm. Mm. and then aside from that, it'll, it'll just be released on Steam and wherever else. So it's yeah. just... For for me, it's less of a. I, I'm not worried that they're gonna mess with the game itself. I'm just worried that like the game will come out and they'll be like, "All right, that didn't make enough money. You're out. Bye. <laughs> Shut the studio yeah. down." But uh, you know, then all everybody from night school can just go start a new studio because like you know that's totally never happened before. <laughs> that's I mean, take the true. money and run. Make the thing you want to make and then go do another thing. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's pretty much how just the entirety of this world works, really. <laughs> yep. Um. Speaking of worlds working, I'm going to talk about a game that nobody's heard of. Well, actually, actually might have, because I, I think I've, I've talked about it on here before. Um, so there's there's this lad named uh, Dr. Mark R. Johnson, um, and uh, he uh, is describes himself as a lecturer in digital cultures in the Department of Media Com- Communications in the University of Sydney. Uh, this is straight up from his own uh, website. But essentially, um, he wanted to learn how to program, and uh, so... Instead of making, you know, like a simple game, um, he decided to make a um, endless forever project roguelike called uh, Ultima. I'm going to butcher this probably. Ultima Ratio Regum. Um, and uh, it is a, oh boy, um, it is a history simulator um, that generates a large world with countries, cities, farmland, uh, different districts for each city, different factions associated with each set of cities, uh, different countries with different cultures, uh, right down to like their mannerisms, the way their dialogue is generated, their clothing, their furniture, uh, the like different appearances of floors. It also generates images for everything. So you can like walk into a room and like look at a table and depending on what part of the world you're in, the table will look different because of the materials that they used and the like designs on the table and whatnot. And also you can tell how uh, valuable the, the table is um, based on like how rich the house uh, and the owner of the house is. And then you can go into town and find the owner of the house and ask them about their table. It's a, it's a game. Um, my experience with it over the years is always like, wow, this is fascinating, but there isn't a game here because you just like appear in the world somewhere and there's nothing to do. You just walk around and you can talk to people. You don't die or anything. There was never really any enemies. I think there was a version of the game once that had like a dragon or something, but um, they, they never really had any kind of combat systems or anything. It was always just a, like, you can look at this things or run away from it. Um, and uh, so it's always been, like, this really weirdly half-built thing. But it's free. So whenever he puts an update out, maybe once a year or so, I'll just be like, ooh, let's go see what's going on in uh, URR. Let's 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 dive in and mess around a little bit. Um, it's 
currently in, a, in its current state, you can talk to people, you can trade with people, currency sort of functions. Uh, there's apparently combat. I haven't found it yet. Um, but the kind of overarching end goal of the game that he's talked about on the Roguelike Radio podcast and in other places is he wants the game to be a, you appear in a strange world and the goal is to basically go through a uh, a murder mystery that the game has generated for you. And you have to talk to people in different cities around the world, do small tasks, and learn about the politics of the world to find figure out what the mystery is and then solve it. Um, and he's always wanted combat to be a very minimal thing, which is something that I'm fascinated by. I really like the concept of non-combat games, especially non-combat roguelikes and traditional ones even more so, um, where the entire game is more just going around sleuthing and talking to people and like uh, figuring out how the culture works and like why this is or and figure figure out what you're looking for and speaking with different individuals and like working your way up through the um like hierarchy of a different of a of a country um only to you know end up uh you know getting assassinated by somebody <laughs> but uh it, it's it's a weird little game um and it doesn't get a lot of press for obvious reasons i mean it's it it doesn't really have graphics outside of the generated images it uh is largely text it's uh, very it's very clean for what it is and as far as i'm concerned it's really pretty but for a lot of people it's a bit much um it's got massively huge impressive maps it's got really cool buildings and areas and catacombs to explore it's it's basically it's just like a giant world explorer where you have to talk to people and like figure out what each different faction wants from you and how you can like get by in a day in a city you've never been in. It's kind of got this neat, like stranger in a strange land kind of feel. Um, I haven't streamed this version because he put out um, uh, this this current update like I don't know three weeks ago or something. Um, but uh, I, I have played a, a good chunk of it off stream, and uh, it's neat. I really like URR, and I I hope that it gets a proper release at some point because like. Uh, Dr. Mark Hart Johnson's gone through a couple phases where he's like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to update it again. And then like six months later, actually, I updated it. Um, so we'll see. Weird forever projects that are free that make no money get weird development timelines. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's a fun thing to dive into and just like look at coins. Just mm. be like, oh, wh whose face is on this? And then you go asking everybody about the face that's on the coin. This sounds like one of those games where you like talk about you talk about it and I'm like, oh, this sounds really, 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 really cool. But then I like boot it up and then my my ADHD brain goes like okay, I walked in a straight line for an hour. What happened? This looks cool. <laughs> I'm leaving now. Bye. Like, I don't know. I there is just something about these games as cool as they sound, because it does sound really cool and fun to explore, but it's just it's just not quite for my brain, but it sounds like a really cool project and like a really impressive project as well. Like, I, I, I don't want to misquote, but I think he said on the uh, the, the roguelike so, so, something to to the, to the to the point of this, where he's like, one of the large reasons he's still developing it is so that he can use it as part of his lectures. Mm, fair enough. Like what it's is... it's li literally like he just uses it as part of his, part of his university lecture, lectures. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's... what does he teach? Do you know? Uh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious because that's actually like really, it's a really cool um, just concept of using that as part of that. And then I'm wondering if it's like some kind of psychology thing because uh, my brain does the same thing. 
He's published uh, in scholarly journals including Information, Communication, and Society, uh, Social Studies of Science, Games and Culture, uh, Convergence, and the Sociological Review, whatever that means, and, numer- and, oh. and has written parts of books. Mm. <laughs> parts Pro- of books. Professional academic? Yeah, that sounds like really yeah. cool. Yeah, because I was like, the reason I ask is I was, my brain does the exact same thing as well. Like, I look at that and I think maybe it's just the overwhelm of, like, information that's one of the reasons why I go story games, because it's like that kind of game looks so cool, but there's so much to do and so much to explore and so much information to gain that my brain just goes, ah, overdrive. The, the, the funny thing for me is like a game like this, especially URR or like uh, Caves of Cud, which is another game I've been playing a lot recently, is like, yes, it, it, it looks like kind of this crazy overwhelm of information, but if you play a bunch of it, very quickly you start to see all the stuff that you need to look for and the stuff that you don't. Like, mm. it's a lot of useless. Like, um, I'm try, trying to think of like an analog here. Um, it, it's it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, uh, Detroit Become Human. You know, like when, when you walk into a room, everything has information there. But very quickly you learn, okay, so this is something that's important. This is something that's important. And I can ignore the rest of this flavor text. Um, or if, if you're playing like an RPG and everything has an item description, you obviously don't need to read the description of every single bucket you see. Yeah, you know that's if true. you're if you're playing if if you're playing something there's and everything has flavor text. It's like sure, except the difference here is it's all generated, right? So you're instead of like reading all of the flavor text and looking at the dis- and the images on every single door, well, pretty quickly you'll start to see patterns. You'll start to see like repeating images, and you're like, okay, well, I've spent 15 minutes walking around in this new district of a city that I just walked into, um, not, or not even, maybe five minutes, just like examining a few things, and then you kind of get the gist of what's going on, and then you go find the people that are important that you need to talk to, instead of like, you walk into a city and you're just like, well, I'm just gonna examine every brick, because you don't need to, right? <laughs> um, it, it just, it takes a little bit to get past that, okay, well, what do what is important to me and what is important to this character at this time, and uh, using Caves of Cud as an example, it's like Caves of Cud is just like an overload of information. Everything has lore on it. Everything has like important bits in it. But you also only need to read it once. And a, a lot of these games are games about dying and losing constantly. Um, because like traditional roguelikes, um, when, you're, when you're dead, you're dead. That's it. Done. Like game over. Uh, go back to the beginning. Start a new character. Reroll. Uh, maybe start <laughs> with the same build, but generally just reroll. Um, and because of that kind of structure, it lends itself to, oh, you know, while you're learning the game, and still learning the mechanics and coming to terms with what you need to do uh, as a player character in a world, um, that's when you're reading all that flavor text. And that flavor text doesn't change, usually, in these <laughs> types of games. Um, sometimes it can change, but generally it just it doesn't change. And so all you really need to do is, uh, like, once you've kind of gotten past that initial learning curve, you've, you've already learned what you should be reading and what you shouldn't be. And then... Beyond that point, it's just anything new you find is exciting instead of, mm. like, repetitive, you know? Yeah, that's true. And you learn to filter through it all, pretty much. So that was my big old block of text. Uh, <laughs> FG, talk to me about Hitman, the, the world of assassination. Yeah, so... How many briefcases have you thrown at people? <laughs> None, actually. What? Um, I haven't... You're playing haven't... the wrong game. <laughs> so I haven't actually played that much. Um, I meant to, and then Pharaoh kind of ha- happened. But um, so so people are playing Hitman Three again after like all the shenanigans with like versions and merging and that sort of stuff, um, because they put out a uh, a run based version. Um, so you start basically on 
sort of um it is not a randomly generated <clears throat> excuse me it's not a randomly generated map because it pulls from the map pool that is in the game um now which is like the world of assassination assassination which is like three two and one all together plus the dlcs and that sort of stuff so there is a pretty big, big map pool but um it basically pulls a map it puts randomized targets it gives you um the objective obviously to kill your targets but then also you get extra objectives that you see beforehand like um kill the target i don't know uh make them like trip uh or slip or drown them or shoot them with a sniper rifle with a silent so sniper what you're rifle, telling me is that if i keep killing people with cans of soup then they're going to give me less points you don't get less points you don't get extra points because you have specific objectives that you like have to like the you obviously have the objective to kill them so if you successfully kill them and you leave you get points mm. because you did that but there are specific objectives um as i said like specific ways of killing it or like um also kill these targets and that sort of stuff and that's yeah basically that and you spawn also in a random location on the map so if you're lucky and you spawn right next to your target you can literally finish your map in like 20 seconds <laughs> right you just go yep. in you just snap their neck and you leave and um i don't know i've just been watching people play and it just seems like it's, it's like one of those games that's really in a way fun to stream because you know it's it's cool when you when you succeed but it's also really funny when you fail gameplay. yeah it's, exactly it's a lot of emergent gameplay yeah. and like unexpected chaos or it's it's yeah. actually it's it's the video game equivalent of the sudden chaos subreddit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you just you just go in you and you and it's even more with this this run based mode because you just get dumped in a situation you have no idea what's going on really. Uh, you don't know where you start and then you um, you get to equip a couple of items and then you get one randomized item out of a case of three that you can pull to bring with you. Mm -hmm. You can find some some items also in the map, like you know, screwdrivers or uh, crowbars uh, and you know that sort of stuff. And um, you know, if you if you subdue some people of the bad guys, you can get guns and that sort of stuff. And um, but you know, it's it's always like a wacky wacky um, situation that sort of stuff. Like um, the last map I did, I killed my target within two minutes because I was right next to him. And then I spent 15 minutes trying to find the exit. <laughs> just like, you know, silly things like that. It's just, it's just really, really, really fun. And um, yeah, it's, it's fun. If it, it's, it's, it's pretty heckin' expensive because yeah. like you buy everything now. So it's like, it's like bonkers expensive, but you also get all of the other older Hitman games, right? In, in Hitman 3 in the engine. So they look really nice like the old games basically because it's the remaster basically right they they look really nice not even remaster remake like they look really 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 good so if you mm. enjoy i mean they looked good when they were new yeah yeah and they look really good now so like there's a lot of content there and then run based mode is yeah it's it's just really fun and wacky and um watching speedrunners do it is crazy like one, one of my favorite streams moments that I saw of that was uh, I was watching uh, a, a games journalist that I support on Patreon play it. And he just like spawned behind, uh, he, he, spawned, he spawned in a kitchen wearing like a chef's outfit. And it's like Target was like right in at the bar. He just like grabbed this steak knife, walked around to the front of the bar, stabbed him in the head, turned around, walked out the back, out the exit. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's just, it's just <laughs> walk up, bonk, walk out. 
Yeah, because it's so random. Everybody's screaming, guns are shoot, getting fired. He just walks in the back door. Yeah, and sometimes you're like on the opposite end of the map, and like there, the target is like through three security layers where you have to like grab a, you know, get an outfit, infiltrate, get another outfit, infiltrate the next layer, and so on and so forth, and it gets um, it's really difficult. So like you never know what you're gonna get, and it's quite fun. Like it's, but then also the story missions, like the actual story modes of the game, is are also really 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 good. So. Yeah, it's it's really fun, and I know it's brought a lot of people like back to Hitman, um, and people really like it. And yeah, I had fun playing it too. I, I need to play more of it because I only did one stream of it for now, but I really enjoyed it. It makes me really curious because like, IO Interactive is going on to make a James Bond game next. I mean, it fits, doesn't it? Like, it really yeah. fits. <laughs> what I want to know is if there will be some mention of an Agent Forty Seven. There must be. They they already have so many references here and there. I mean, they're not going to dress James Bond up in a giant flamingo suit and let him lay an egg, so. <laughs> Which is a thing you can do, and I think it's Hitman 2? You can do second one. so many wacky things, and yeah, it's it's great. And like outfits, and then like, there are like, like uh, weaponized rubber duckies, and I don't know, uh -huh. explosive uh, baseballs and that sort of stuff, which I actually threw at a target. And it didn't kill it. Like, it killed the one that was sitting in front of it, but apparently that was enough <laughs> of a shock absorber to not die. And then uh, he just kind of goes, huh, well, the person is dead now. Uh, uh, help! <laughs> but nobody saw me do it, so I was I was safe, right? So it's like, I don't know. The best part about Hitman is it's, it's extremely obvious that it's a video game. It's mm. like, if you explain what Hitman is to, like, my parents, they would think that it's horrible. But mm. like when you're actually playing Hitman, it is such a clockwork machine that's that just it shows the edges so much, like which is intentional, right? And like it's yeah. it, it, it's 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 very clearly like you can everybody has their patterns. You can very quickly figure out where people are going, what this character does. And that's that's the video game is figuring out, okay, where's the break in the pattern so that I can walk in and like snap a neck. Yep. But when you're explaining it to somebody, they're just like, Oh, that that sounds horrible. But like actually watching gameplay of hitman is the it's just hysterical. funny and just it's, it's entertaining right yeah it is obviously like it's sorry go ahead sorry no no you go <laughs> no you go. Nope. i was gonna say that, <laughs> that um like i feel like it's very similar like the the glitches and stuff that happen with hitman that make it quite entertaining for some of the stuff too it's very similar to like assassin's creed and like those stealth missions and like the glitches that I've seen in Hitman 3 specifically of mm. just some things happening that are just so out of whack. Like there was one person that I was watching um, play Hitman. I don't know if you guys know Crusader, but I was watching her play it and she she got to a mission where she was supposed to take a guy out and then he just glitched through a wall, just literally walked through a wall. And so she had to go through another layer of security, like doing the <laughs> switching of, and she was just freaking out being like, I like literally had the guy in the grasp to kill him and then he walked through a wall and she's like, what, how, how what, huh? <laughs> That's incredible. Like some things just happen with those games and it's it's like, like, yeah, like you said, it's an obvious that it's a video game, but when you hear about it and you're just talking about it, it's like, it sounds awful. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I killed a man with a can of soup today. What'd you do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. I mean, I mean, like there's that classic GIF that came out. I, I, I want to say this was like what the second or third map of Hitman 1 when it was a subscription thing. Mm. which I think, like, completely killed it. Mm. Um, but it was, like, this guy gets on a jet ski and, like, goes around the bay, and it, 
the player just like threw a briefcase at his head right as he got onto the jet ski and the jet <laughs> ski went faster than the briefcase but the briefcase followed him so he just it's like a minute long gif of this guy just like dry like zipping around in the like in, in this like bay area on a beach with just this briefcase following him and then he comes back to the shore gets off and says hello sir and then bang it's <laughs> 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 so in the back of the head dead mission complete <laughs> just like wow it. I love it when it's like that, but it's like the game does it for you, where yeah. it's like like they fall off a, a balcony or something, like they're just walking and they fall, and it's like mission completed, and you're like, uh, I'm just gonna go. <laughs> there, there was a uh, uh, no clip did a documentary on uh, uh, Hitman and and IO Interactive, and they asked them about the briefcase thing, and they were like, were you aware that it would do that there? And they were like, nope. <laughs> that the first when that video popped up that was the first time we saw it we officially wrote it down it's not a bug feature <laughs> because of how hard we were all laughing yeah it's just yeah there's just there, there's there's so much what because because there's so many this sounds so horrible there are so many creative ways that you can kill people in that video <laughs> well, so it's like it's like slaps it's it, yeah it is. It's yeah. as close as you can get to like a naked gun video game. You know, it's like it's <laughs> it's slapstick comedy. Like in in the in peak like it's peak, it's peak tier slapstick comedy. Yep. I I love how you could literally do things that have nothing to do with the with the uh, the the um. Oh my gosh! Help! What is the assassination quest? target? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Then have literally nothing to do with that. Like there was one. I'll I'll admit. FG. I was looking at your clips and stuff because I was like, I want to get to know her before we do the streams. And um, I was looking at the clips and I was just like, and the one where you just gave the guys a shower and walked away. <laughs> I, was yeah. just like, I was like, yeah, they're, they're stinky. They deserve, they needed it. They smelled bad. <laughs> I was like, the per, like peak humor is amazing. Yeah, they were like, uh, they were, they were actually friendlies. Like they were like, oh my God, oh God, we recognize you. We recognize you. Uh, help us, help us. And I just, Turn the water on and left. Yeah, just so you guys need to have a shower. I'll help you later. Bye. <laughs> and then I died. But yeah, that was just oh, so good. It's really fun. No, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's just silly. There's a person I watched ages ago who used to speedrun Halo. And uh, oh, no. he uh, was playing through, I think it was Hitman 2 at the time. And he just got onto the map and he was like, all right, where's my target? And he like locates the target. And he's like slowly stealthing the words. And it's like, target eliminated. And he's like, I did nothing <laughs> i guess i leave the map now it was a um a, a map that has like a racetrack and a, somehow like the model got on the racetrack and got hit by a car <laughs> that is amazing actually i kind great. of is there a is there a way to kill someone with a pan probably because oh, yeah. i really just i really need that satisfying sound where you just hit him <laughs> over the head with it and just boom <laughs> i would presume there is yeah. There's I mean, definitely like there's cutlery, so why, why not like a cooking? Item? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, mean, if you can if you can pick it up, you can throw it, and if you can throw it, you can kill somebody with it. Yeah, that's very true. That's true. Yeah. This is I am gonna totally add on you guys. So tell me if I'm going way too off course. But the pan thing just reminded me. Did you have you guys ever played Little Big Planet? I haven't very, actually. Very, 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 because <laughs> there's the PC like online game that you can play with friends now. And I've been, like, trying to see if people have played it just to see what they think. Because apparently it's very, very good. And I was just... Yeah. Anyways, sorry. I was like, I was like, I want to play that. But... On ADD. What hard. platform is that on? Uh, It's on Steam, I think. Is it called Little Big Planet? 
Yeah, it's literally or is called it Sackboy Little Adventures thing. Uh, might be Sackboy, Sackboy Adventures. Big Adventure, maybe. Yes, that one. Yes, no, haven't played this. I was I'm, unaware that it even it came out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I, I was really interested in trying it because it looks like it actually would be pretty decent. But then I also am very hesitant on getting games like that that have been moved to PC and if they're good or not. <laughs> well, I mean, it's got good reviews. Mm -hmm. Generally, 80% positive is pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty good. Time. Yeah. This person is complaining that it's harder than the Lego games. <laughs> and, their, uh, and their kids couldn't play it to the end. They're like, this game's good for what it is, but it's harder than the Lego games. Okay, that's a interesting just, take. Don't let your kids play it. <laughs> Solved. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Back in my you know, day, I... we played the one game that we had, and if it was super duper hard, we still played it all the way and tried beating true. our head against the wall. <laughs> Very I, true. I just remember playing Shadow of the Colossus in Little Big Planet. Oh my, yeah, when the people could do like custom maps and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I, I yeah. never played the actual, if there was like a game in that, I never played it, but there was like one kid that I knew who had Little Big Planet. It was like, a, it was like a friend of mine's little brother, actually, I think. <laughs> and uh, he was just like, yeah, well, all this stuff sucks, but look at this, you play Shadow of the Colossus, right? I'm like, yeah, a little bit. And he goes, look at this. And then we played through all of Shadow Colossus in Little Big Planet. It, it was like very short, admittedly. It was like, you just kind of traversed from area to area and then killed a big like Colossus and go to the next one. Um, mm -hmm. But it was like literally a remake of Shadow of the Colossus in there. Also, um, uh, it's the original Super Mario Brothers, like 1-1, one, one, all that. Mm. that Little Big Planet was a, a journey back in the day. It definitely was. And I, like if you go back and look at it now, it's, it's, it's one of those games you can look, go back and look at it and be like, oh my lord, this did not age well. <laughs> what, like visually? <laughs> Well, just like the yeah visuals, and then like the the act, voice acting and stuff like that. Oh, it's just yeah. it, it's it's you know it's for kids. <laughs> I mean, I was a kid when it was new. This is yeah, very true. So it's kind of a right place, right time. Yeah, I was the type of person with those games. And the reason why I went from Pan to ADD to Pinball Brain to that was. I was the type of friend that I would play with people and then I'd just be smacking them with the pan off the map every single time and piss them off. Oh. <laughs> I always ask friends, I'm like, if you guys want to play with me, that'd be great. But fair warning, you're going to get very angry very quickly because you will not be able to finish a map with me. <laughs> it's like playing the new Super Mario Brothers people with my little game with my little sister. <laughs> it's like, you're not supposed to pop the bubble. Stop uh -huh. popping my bubble. Oh, oh my God, God, do like, Don't pop the bubble. Yeah. <laughs> You tell me not to do it, I'm going to do it more. <laughs> yep. Anyways, is there anything else we want to cover games-wise, or should we go on to news? I have not played anything else this week. You've just played Hitman and uh, Pharaoh? I guess like it, it's so strange after like the demo week, where it's like, I have 70 games to talk Wait, about I, versus no, now. I played it's something like, else on Tuesday, but I literally can't remember what I played. <laughs> Must have been memorable. I mean, I played Cheese Runner, but that's not a video no, game. No, what really. did I play? Like, honest, what did now? I'm like sitting here, like, what did I play on my what? What did I do? Oh, I oh shoot! Oh god, I feel so horrible. I played Plan yeah. B Terraform, which was amazing. Ah, I'm so sorry. I feel super bad. I actually really enjoyed so, that. Plan B, what it? Mm, so Plan B is that thing out or is that a demo? Actually, no, that's out. It's an early access. Oh. That's out. Plan B Terraform. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Dang it. It's um, a really chill factory automation game 
with like really like pastel-y like graphics in a way. And um, yeah, it's just a, it's a factory automation game where your goal is to terraform the planet and like melt the ice caps and that sort of stuff. And terraforming Mars. I, stop me if you've heard this one before. It's, <laughs> it's actually not Mars though. It's not Mars? It's okay, not Mars. It's generic no. red planet. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's actually not Mars, but it's it's just really chill and relaxing, but it will tackle your brain because you, you know, there's production chains. They're not like super duper over the top crazy yet, but they're enough like where you have to be like, okay, so I have to put this and then I have to get this and then I have to build this city up to get this and then move it. Like it's, it's really good. It's obviously not finished yet because it's early access, but it's... Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I played it for like 17, 18 hours in total. And um, the it's like pretty freaking cheap. It's like less than 10 pounds. Uh, that, rather, actually, less than 10 US. Yeah, it's, uh, it's 11.69 Canadian yeah, right now. Yeah, with 10% off still. Yeah, it's 7 pounds 65. Um, it's by the person who made um, who, who made uh, Dig or Die. Um, people might be yeah, familiar with that. When people play, when everybody played that for like a week, mm-hmm. and um, I mean that has like yeah three and a half thousand positive reviews. Plan B Terraform already has four hundred positive review, uh, three hundred fifty positive reviews. It's it's really good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, seems neat. I, yeah. I, I'm always scared away of factory automation games very quickly because I look at them and I go, oh, no, I'm going to hate this. Um, but it this this does look really, really, really pretty. I, I really yeah. like the look of it. The it color is- palette's nice. It is. It's very satisfying to watch or to look at. Um, it also runs really nice. Like I played this the demo on my old rig, so I can I can still say that. Um, it runs really well. Uh, it looks really nice. It's not finished. There's some graph like there there's there's some glitches and bugs. Like for example, you can cross roads and train tracks, but if you cross train tracks over roads, it'll just completely like bug out the visual for the road. It still works, but it just you know it's not perfect. But the dev is, you know, it's work. He's working on it, and um, it's a small team. It's like um, the dev, an artist, and an intern, <laughs> and that's it. I was gonna say, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's like what three people that made Digger Die or something. Yeah, like, so, the, yeah. The guy, the artist, and then the other person. Yeah, I really, I really, I'm, I'm, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm probably gonna be, uh, I'm gonna play more when there's a there's a big content update. Cool. This is this is one that I was like tempted to play before it came out just because I like the look of it, but mm-hmm. I I need to actually see some gameplay. And I haven't seen anybody playing it yet, so mm. you know. All right, well I think uh, we're gonna take a real quick break, and when we come back from that break, we're going to uh, talk about uh, the news. We've got some interesting ones and some serious ones, so that should be fun. Back right after this. And we're back with that episode 57 of the Halcyon Frequency Podcast, and I'm blind and I'm hosting this episode. And uh, we're going to talk about the news from this week. So um, I'm just going to start off with this first one because it's bizarre and strange, and I'm not sure how it happened. 
Um, but uh, this is a, a, a Steam community post uh, for the game Workers and Resources uh, Soviet Republic, which some of you might remember or have played before. It is a, a city builder in a very Soviet style, very sandboxy, a uh, lot of production chains and pain. Um, it was one of the least pleasant gaming experiences of my life, but I completely understand why people like it. Um, it's got a very dedicated community that follows it. And anyway, so this, this got post, posted on their community uh, post. Um, and you can still find their community posts through the community, but you can't find the Steam page for the game. So uh, I'm just going to read this verbatim. The game has been taken down to a DMCA request. Uh, the issue is described below, and you cannot purchase the game at this time. In short, uh, one of the players who created a guide on how to play the game is now claiming that they own the rights to the game, uh, the realistic mode, the rights to the realistic mode of the game. And uh, thank you for your understanding, and we are working to resolve this issue. Um, and then they write this in character because they do this. Uh, Hello, dear comrades. Uh, and they, they say that they're general secretary of the People's Party of Three Division here. Uh, we recently got the first enemy of our Soviet Republic. And this enemy is making our life harder and significantly slowing down the development process. He is... Um, was a once respected member of our community and is now a, and one of our best party members but he decided to betray our republic our party and our ideas it all began when we started to work on realistic mode and he thinks he invented it or made it possible well uh he had kind if he had kindly asked, we would have added him into the game's credits. Uh, we would have prob we probably would do it t uh, together with other guys that have made various guides and challenges or contributions but First, we d need to finish the game, and then we can update the game's credits. But he decided to contact us as a lawyer and, uh, and started to abuse the YouTube report system, issuing copyright strikes to one of our most helpful uh, influencers, and prior to getting our opinion on the issue. Um, anyway, so it just kind of continued until he fired off a DMCA takedown request at the game itself on Steam. So, like, which is bananas, <laughs> absolutely insane. That's crazy. It's so, how, how does this, like, in the fact that uh, <laughs> we're all just in shock, <laughs> just the fact that somebody wants to take credit so badly that they would just go out of their way to, I. <laughs> Yeah, that. And then also that Valve, like, on... I don't know, like, because they might... They, like, I guess it's, it's, it is... It is an official DMCA claim, and Valve has to comply with it, because otherwise it's the same with Twitch. They lose, they, they lose their safe harbor status, right? But then, like, this person doesn't really... Like, how do you even... They don't have anything tangible, right? Like, how does it? How I don't. They I don't created a guide for a mod. Yeah. Um, which is admittedly a very popular guide, but I. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, apparently they're already in in talks with Valve to get to get the game back online, and it's this was posted yesterday, I think. Yeah, as of the sixteenth, yeah. and the the game is still offline. Yeah. Like you can't, you still can't buy the game yet. So, I mean, shoutouts to Three Division, and I hope they get their their game back online. Yeah, <laughs> but, hopefully. Man, uh, FG, do you want to take the second one? Yeah, um, this is something. Sorry, a little bit, a little, little part of me goes like ha 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 ha, but then on the other hand, it's also like, it's just tax evasion strategies, not necessarily evasion, but like. <laughs> <laughs> 
tax strategies, right? So um, Roblox posted their um, earnings, financial earnings data for 2022. And um, they uh, made a crap load of money in mm. revenue, 2.2 billion uh, in revenue. In bookings. Mostly off of, you know, child labor. Yeah, yeah, child earnings. labor. That's, yeah, yeah. Uh, in bookings, yeah. 2.29. But then overall, their net loss for the entire company was $934 million, Which, you know, when you hear that and you go like, oh, oh, haha, that's, you know, Robux is going down. No, Robux is not going down. It's, um, their user base went up by 23%. Uh, in 2022, by uh, to over now uh, uh, 56 million during the fourth quarter, there were actually even almost 60 million daily active user uh, users. So basically, they're they're making crap tons of monies. They're just investing it, aka that's that way losing money for tax reasons and for to grow the company even further. It's not like Roblox is unfortunately not going anywhere anytime soon they are still printing freaking money but like through tax shenanigans and you know clever deductions and investments they basically can report a, you know we all know how that works to to report net loss and that sort of stuff so yeah they're unfortunately still here to stay <laughs> yeah roblox is one of those things where i like i, I remember when it was new like I remember kids like my age being like, "Yo, have you have you played Roblox? You know, like, have you heard of Roblox?" And this was like in two thousand seven or something. <laughs> and just going like, "No," and then looking it up and going, "This looks awful." And then just like going back to playing Age of Empires or whatever. I was playing. <laughs> um, but there's just something about it where it's just like I can I, I get why it appeals to kids. Yeah, yeah. It's and like a mix between lego and minecraft <laughs> but it's not though it's like it's it's visually yeah sure it's lego and minecraft but it's like on minecraft but it's also unity it's it's That's, like yeah it's like kids first game engine which True. is if it, if it was if it was financed differently might be one of the coolest tools for teaching kids how to make games in the world but because of the business model that it uses and the way it makes its money it's like insidious to a point where I'm, I question how it's legal. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, you, you know, the NFT market blew up the other year, and it's like, if you go into Roblox and you go to the Roblox store and you go to what they call items and then you go to Rare, there is a item-based stock market identical to the Steam item store, mm. but, like, everything is an order of magnitude more expensive. Yeah. They make crap it's tons like, of yeah, money. Yeah, you that could way. go spend two hundred dollars on a hat in TF2, or you could spend sixteen thousand dollars on a Gucci bag for Roblox. And <laughs> if you buy it within Roblox, um, then uh, Roblox takes forty percent. Or uh, you can buy it through a third-party site and just trade it directly and uh, send them cash via PayPal or crypto. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing. Yep. Um, I'm divide. I'm. De I, I haven't decided as to whether or not I want to make Ali read this next. Oh no! <laughs> title. I can read it if you want to do the next one. 
Uh, you know what? I'll get it over and done with. <laughs> Why not? Depends uh-huh. on if I'm allowed to say these words on the podcast. We're allowed to say whatever as long as it's reasonable. Perfect. Oh, I have to read it now? Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a medical term, technically, so it's totally fine. There's nothing weird about this. This is true. This is true. Yeah. I see. This is a setup. This is a, okay. Um, <laughs> for this next one, uh, which of three? Uh, a vagina modder claims CDPR used a mod without permission. So um, apparently from how uh, what's written here pretty much, it seems that the author of this um, article had contacted the original modder for the uh, <laughs> creation, as they call, of the Volvo saga. And... <laughs> um, Apparently, CDPR added the more realistic genitals to the women of The Witcher 3 with the next-gen update, but uh, it was without um, uh, permission from the original creator. Like, um, I, I, as I understand it, it was, like, that the their next-gen update was a bunch of work that CDPR did, but, like, also, yeah. like, it was about a half-dozen mods that they also put in, and they paid all the modders. Yeah. But turns out some of these modders weren't very good at... Uh, crediting people's mods that they took from for their mods, which is hysterical because the exact same thing happened with Dwarf Fortress relatively recently. Oh god! Well, for <laughs> this hired specific people to work on the game, and it's like, oh. well, it's just such a, it's such a, <laughs> it's it's such a, it's the exact thing that would go uncredited though. It is, and I, I like, I feel bad for the modder because, like, obviously, those kinds of things, like, when you make something like that, it takes a lot of work, and you deserve yeah. the credit for it. <laughs> but at the same time, like, of all things, to go uncredited. <laughs> yeah, the mod vaginas for everyone. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Sometimes you want it, want it to look pretty, so you know you gotta mod it in. That's just how it, it is. Just, it, it reminds me of like Skyrim modding. It's like smooth Ooh. faces. Mm, yeah, that like that mod is included in like every single mod pack and never credited. But it's like, ah, oh, yes, yeah, smooth faces. I, I know this. I know this mod. <laughs> I think the the thing that I find the funniest about this entire thing is that they're they're like grouping it in with the mods that gave Geralt like the different hairstyles and everything like that. And the way that it's written is just very like, oh yes, there's different hair in both areas. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, th- this is possibly the most CDPR, uh, or not CDP, this is the most Kotaku article, the headline I've ever seen, and when it popped up uh, on Tuesday, I just like immediately spat out my coffee and burst out laughing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it, it's 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 still kind of that way, and like CDPR is do- doing their damnedest to like fix the whole situation and get everybody credited, so like it, it'll... It, it's currently, I think it's been removed from the game, but I, I, from from what I was reading, they, they're looking into compensation, so... The- um, yeah, <laughs> this, the the creativity of people is is uh, quite interesting. Interesting sometimes. Eh. I mean, it fits in The Witcher generally. Uh, yep, yep, yep. I mean, it does. Yeah, yep. yep. If you can put of... nude models in any game, it's The Witcher. <laughs> oh Lord! All right. Yeah, on a much more serious <laughs> note. Um, Microsoft confirms that Game Pass cannibalizes sales. Um, and so this is uh, uh, during the... This is all coming out of the uh, Xbox Activision Blizzard King buyout. 
um, because they're talking with the uh, uh, I, 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 the CMA of UK, which is the Consumer Market Authority. Uh, doing, going off my brain, I think that's correct. Um, and uh, they expect t- they 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 Xbox tells uh, UK CMA uh, that it expects titles to have a decline in base game sales for at least a year following the inclusion into the subscription service. This article comes from GamesIndustry.biz, and. Um, so this essentially what they're saying is that um, games that go on to Game Pass uh, see a loss in sales. Now, the the kind of asterisk here that I think is necessary to point out is the only data that they actually have is their games, right? So games that they are self-publishing that they're also putting onto uh, Steam and uh, other platforms um, and that are also concurrently for sale on Xbox. So like as, as an ex- or, or uh, and on Game Pass. So like as an example, like Halo Infinite, right? Um, Halo Infinite, why would you buy Halo Infinite's DLC uh, single-player mode on Steam when you could just go play it for $10 on uh, Game Pass or um, any of their other first-party titles? Um, and this is really interesting because in this article, they actually they pull a pretty choice quote from uh, Phil Spencer um, where they, they... This was back like back from 2018 um, where, where he states that... Um, uh, games that are released on Game Pass tend to sell better because gamers uh go to where the players are and if a game is on game pass it's going to have more players and the exact um example that they cite there was for uh, forza horizon so like the the player base just like inflates and then uh everybody buys the game because oh there's a lot of people playing it right which admittedly um you could look at that and be like okay well yeah that that seems kind of logical for like multiplayer games but i look at that and i go that's 2018 that's five years ago (laughs) um so I think that things have changed a little bit, and I, I I would not be surprised at all that this is very much true for, you know, I'm just going to throw out a game that I played on Game Pass that I haven't bought yet, Citizen Sleeper. You know, I, I played through Citizen Sleeper. I loved Citizen Sleeper. I would like to buy Citizen Sleeper, but I haven't bought Citizen Sleeper yet. And I would have bought Citizen Sleeper day one if it wasn't on Game Pass. Um, I've since actually dropped Game Pass because I just realized I wasn't using it for like three months. I was like, well, this is a waste of money, so I don't actually have it anymore. Um, but uh, it, it's... There is definitely examples of like single player games or shorter games that you can just sit down and beat in like one session on on Game Pass. Um, that is, you know, I will probably for most games be a lost sale. But I I, I don't know. I, I it's it's weird like hearing developers talk about Game Pass because it kind of comes from like two perspectives. Um, the main perspective is like, well, they're getting paid up front, so who cares about sales for your game? And then there's the, the second side of it, which is, well, if you're complaining, maybe you should have argued for a better split because that's how these contracts work is every developer gets a separate contract for their game based on what their game is and the size of the team and the amount of development time they had to put into it. Yeah, I mean... I don't... Sorry, go you go it. ahead. No. no, no, you go. <laughs> okay. Like, I mean, so the thing is, like, I... I wonder how much that is also like due to the increase in game pass price and the price of like games in total as well because i i assume some people out there probably and 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 like also like because 2020 you know people like and and now like you know recession people have less money to spend stuff's gotten really expensive so maybe i don't know from when those numbers are and how uh, over long how you know how long the 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 um term is for that they gather these these data for is it like just 
2022 is it like since 2018 how long like what what you know because we don't know because it even says like internal analysis shows a redacted percent decline in in base game sales 12 months following the addition on game pass mm-hmm. i mean it says redacted mm-hmm. it could be two percent <laughs> we don't know yeah. right also like how how like what time frame because I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there for whom it was like game pass kind of has become the only way to play a game because they that that you know 10 months 12 uh, 10 months 10 dollars a month 12 dollars a month whatever how game pass is like the cost is now might be doable rather than buying you know one or two games every month that that are like maybe sixty dollars or more depending like what games they buy so um it makes sense that it goes down because it is it is so much more affordable but like the percentage here i i think the percentage here makes a really like makes or breaks this headline because it's like if it's Mm -hmm. like game pass makes titles sell two percent less it's like not a big deal is it 50 percent less that's a big deal right it it depends a little bit because like if you sell if your game sells i don't know a million copies two percent of that is is not that big of a deal is it five hundred thousands of of a million copies less that that's a big deal so yeah that would really help to know i understand them not releasing that number but it would be it would help to know yeah, I, it's it it is. It, I, once again, it's also only on their first party titles, right? And there's yeah, a lot of true. games that are out on Game Pass and then immediately disappear. Um, I, I know that uh, there there was an example of a game like Anacrusis, which came out on Game Pass and they largely, not accused, but have been pretty clear in that they think that their game sold worse because it was on Game Pass. Um, specifically because their game was an early access game when it launched and, um. They wish that they could have capitalized better on Steam sales initially and then put it on Game Pass later. Um, also, they agreed to be on Game Pass before Game Pass. Like, they, they were one of the first, like, initial wave of Game Pass games. And so it was still a very new service. And they didn't realize how much of an impact that would have on them. And it completely wrecked their servers. It completely overloaded everything. And, like, if they weren't on Game Pass, they they think that they would have launched smoother and sold more copies but at the same time like they did get a bunch of money to put it on game pass so Mm. like it's yeah i don't know it's 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 a a weird thing and i i think that this kind of information is is interesting and also i what ali were you gonna say something on the subject or um no i I, pretty much everything that's already been said because i was just gonna say about the redacted thing as well just that it's you can't really it's it's like one of those things where it's just the eye catching, I guess, for me on this whole thing because it's like you don't really know how much they've actually are they're they're actually losing. So it's it's very much a like it could be something huge or it could be something where they're just like making a or someone is making a bigger deal out of it than it actually is. Well, that's how you get clicks for a headline, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But, you know, I think uh, this kind of business model has cannibalized other industries completely. You know, like Spotify, uh, Apple Music, uh, Netflix. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll see. 
I, I think that there's a lot of people that are just kind of sitting there ready to say, fuck you, Game Pass, but... We'll, we'll see where it all ends up in a couple of years. But we are getting kind of up there in the recording time, so mm-hmm. maybe it's time for us to to kind of call it and uh, wind this podcast down. So uh, let's – well, actually, hold on. Before we do that, Arch suggested something that I kind of want to try. Um, I'm going to go read where we're, where we're big real quick. I'm going to open up a website and take a look at analytics for this podcast and see where we, where we are trending this week. Um, uh, currently we are the uh 241th most popular video games and leisure podcast on um uh uh, in in the in the lovely place known as poland uh we are the 71st most popular video games and leisure podcast in honduras and uh we are the 80th uh most popular uh video games and leisure podcast in uh the United Arab Emirates which doesn't have a large podcast listening uh community from what i can tell um so shout outs to all those regions and keep those numbers up uh but beyond that <laughs> I, I think it's time for us to say uh goodbye so uh let's let's start off with our our lovely guest Ali who are you and where can people find you on the internet um <laughs> Uh, my name is Alina Ali, as it's A-L-Y, not A-L-L-I-E. Literally, that's how you spell it. Um, I am on Twitch. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram. I'm on, I'm, ev- I'm everywhere, everywhere all at once. So literally just search me up, Google me, you can find me. I'm also an actress, so you'll probably find a lot of my uh, past film stuff if you Google me as well. So if that's a curiosity thing, definitely do so. And FG, who's probably three otters in a trench coat. That's unconfirmed, unconfirmed, you know, maybe, like, allegedly, there's also other people and there's combinations and things, but, uh, yeah, I'm FG, FG Squared, you can find everything, uh, actually in one place, um, at fgsquared.tv. And, uh, you, you can find me as a skeleton in a flesh suit, uh, as B-L-I-N-D-I-R-L everywhere, um, (laughs) And uh, screw Twitter, follow me on Mastodon at blindirl at mas.to. And uh, for this podcast, if you want to get more episodes of this podcast, you can go to halcyonfrequency.com or a, uh, anywhere where organic podcasts are harvested from the podcast trees. And if you can't find it in a location that you are looking, please DM me and I will make it appear there or do my best to make it appear there or reappear there if it disappeared, which would be a problem. Um, and uh, Which happened once, actually, because <laughs> uh, I forgot to click confirm on a thing in the email that was sent to me. Um, and uh, if, uh, if, if you want to get more episodes of, or if you want to talk about this podcast, you can join the Discord via the website. And uh, there's rooms on the community Discord where you can uh, discuss this podcast or tell me that my editing is bad. It's up to you. And uh, aside from that, I just want to say a real quick thanks to Peter Pohl and Paul Mile for the lovely intro and outro music and break music that you're hearing. And uh, with that being said, uh, new episodes go up every Sunday. So uh, this is Halcyon Frequency. Uh, don't touch that dial. Uh, Halcyon Frequency signing off. I'm flustered today. <laughs>